got me big Bible today. Serious stuff today. I'd like to welcome my brother, Brother John, just there. It's great to have you, Brother John. We have this thing, whenever he writes to me, he always says, it's your brother John here. And he's like, yeah, I'm your sister Sally. You think we have loads of brothers and sisters. We've only got one other sister, but we still refer to ourselves as Brother John and Sister Sally. So this morning, wow, I am excited. I hope you're going to be excited as I am. I love reading about these great battles in the Bible. And um, I had a discussion with Sally Hart recently, because I said to her, I can't understand why it is I can't really talk about these battles with the children when they watch the most awful things on TV, they read the most awful things, they're told the most awful things at school, but the Word of God, which talks about the battles, it's a little bit like, just tone it down, Sally. Don't turn it down. I'm not going to turn it down. All right, okay, so we're going to start reading. Um, Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to kind of like be picking bits out. So I recommend that when you get home, you read the story from top to bottom, all right? Because I'm only picking bits out of it. So I'm going to start in Joshua 6, right at the end of the Battle of Jericho. And then I'm going to go into Joshua 7. But the story will go on till the end of Joshua 8. Can't read it all out today. So in Joshua 6... Verse sort of 16, the back half of that, it says, Oh, Holy Spirit. Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho, in everything in it must be completely destroyed. Do not take any of the things that are doing that. Do not take... Hello? It's a battle. Is that me? What am I doing? Is it my hair? My, my, my locks? <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Uh, right, where was I? Oh, yes, we're shouting, for the Lord has given you the town. And then it goes on. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Did you hear that? Do not take any of the things set apart for the Lord. If you do, you'll be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. We just move on. We're not moving on very many verses, actually, to the beginning of chapter 7. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of the dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Oh dear. What is it about human nature? When someone says, don't do something, that's immediately what we want to go and do. So, moving on to verse 2. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Beth Haven. When they returned, they told Joshua, the 
there is no need for all of us to go up there because it won't take more than two or three thousand men to attack I since there are so few of them. Don't make all our people struggle to go up there. So approximately three thousand warriors were sent but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Bible then says, the Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events and their courage melted away. It was only a few verses earlier that they had just stormed Jericho in the most amazing way and defeated that town. We're only talking a few verses along and suddenly they've been defeated by an itsy bitsy tiny little place and 36 men lost their lives. Joshua Verse 6, Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothes in dismay, threw dust on their heads and bowed down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. And then God spoke. And what did he say to them? He said, get up. What are you doing? Why are you lying on your face like this? What a strange question to ask. What would you have said? Do you not understand? We've just lost a battle against this itsy bitsy little place. Everybody's now going to say, ha ha, easy pickings. We're going to be wiped off the face of the earth. What a strange question. And God says, the reason why is because you have not obeyed me. It says, they have stolen some of the things I commanded must be set apart for me. And they not only stole them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things amongst their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. And it goes on in verse uh, 13. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. It's quite a serious and sobering story, isn't it? And I'm not going to read much more because you're going to read it when you go home to make sure that I'm not lying. But basically... The man that actually hid the things that God told him he mustn't take was God identified him. Him and his whole family were killed. The people purified themselves, asked for God's forgiveness, and then they went into battle and they won an incredible victory. So what can we learn from this story? Because it is quite a sobering story and, I, and, and I'm just very grateful that I don't live under the old covenant. Because I probably might not be here today. I might have been, am I allowed to say it Ben? I might have been vaporised. Ben said, don't use that word Sally. But I, you know, it's like we now 
fortunately, praise God, because of Jesus, we live in the new, co- new covenant. We live under the new covenant. And what does that mean? It means that when we've sinned, we have a saviour called Jesus Christ who we go to and say, I am sorry, will you forgive me? And he does because he already paid that price when he died on the cross. My sins have been paid for. I don't have to pay for them again. But you see, this was the old covenant. And God said, don't do this. And he says it several times. Do not take the things that are set apart for yourself. And as a result of their disobedience, and in fact, as a result of just one man's disobedience, they lost a battle. They lost their courage. Joshua questioned God. There were a whole heap of things that happened, and in fact, God threatened to withhold his presence from them as a result of one man's sin. Are there things that God has asked us to set apart for him in our lives? In the Old Testament, the things there that were set apart were cattle and clothing and bits and bobs. I don't have any cattle to set apart for the Lord. But are there things in my life that God has asked me to set aside? Are there things that God has asked us to consecrate to him? I suspect there probably are. I think for me, God wants my devotion. He wants my worship. He wants me to ensure that I am as clean a vessel as is possible for him to use me for his glory. Sometimes we just don't ask these questions of ourselves, do we? And so today, yeah, it's a bit sobering, but I want us to ask these questions. Father, is there anything in my life that would mean that the the enemy will be able to rout me? I'll just leave that one with you. If you are unsure, we have a guide and a teacher. His name is the Holy Spirit. Ask him, Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life that God has spoken to me about, about being set apart? Ask him, see what he says. The other thing that kind of struck me from this was um, that when things go wrong in our lives, we don't always wait to find out what the reason is for those things. So when God tells us to do something and we do it and it all goes wrong or it didn't work out the way that we expected it, our, I believe, I think most of us kind of throw ourselves on the floor and say, it's not fair. God doesn't love me anymore. He's turned his back on me. He's broken his promises to me. 
and we, 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 like a little child, throw our toys out of the pram and have a little pity party. Rather than inquiring of the Lord why it might be that things are the way that they are. And it's interesting to also note that they didn't just sort of like, like go, oh, why is that God, and then leave it. They were on their face before God with their torn robes, ash on their de- heads, until the evening. And then God spoke. So I want to encourage you some. You know, we can take, there's lots of things that we can take from these scriptures. So if something has happened in your life and it's like, I don't get that, rather than having a pity party or ranting and raving at God that it's not fair, why don't you just sit and ask him what happened? What happened? Because there's normally a reason. And it could be there's some unforgiveness in our life. It could be something really, really small. I mean, actually, Achan, all he took was 200 bits of silver and a, and a, a robe and a piece of gold. And in the light of everything that was in the city, that was a very, very small amount. Do you think God really needed that? Of course he didn't. What he wanted was obedience. One of the other things I think that comes out of this story, and you, we read it a lot, I think, in the Old Testament, is just the fact that God is awesome. And when he says something, that's what he means. And... Um, I just feel, sense maybe, that in all of our teaching in the last maybe 10, 15 years about how God wants to be intimate with us and that we are allowed to call him Abba Father, which is true, that's all true, that we sometimes have let the pendulum, Ben often speaks about the pendulum swinging, doesn't he? I think the pendulum sometimes has swung so far this way that we've forgotten that we serve an awesome king of all kings and that we need to remind ourselves that actually he's very, he's all-powerful and um, sometimes in the way that we come into his presence is a little bit slapdash. Back in um, the end of November, I went on a silent retreat for five days. Um, I, try, I try and do it every year if I can. Love it. Absolutely love it. And this silent retreat was taken by um, a guy called David Runcorn, who is a very high Anglican. He's really into uh, liturgy and uh, stuff that I am not into at all. So it was like we were at opposite poles, if you like. But I, it's like I know I can learn from this man because otherwise God wouldn't have called me to go on a silent retreat and he wouldn't have been there. Yeah? So he did a, a, a little extra seminar on how we prepare ourselves to enter the presence of God. And um, I thought, oh, I'm going to go along, find out about that because I just kind of like... I'm in the presence, anytime, any place, anywhere. So I thought, this will be interesting. I want to find out what he's got to say. And so he talked about how he prepared himself. And um, he did a manner of things. He prepared his heart. He prepared his body. He prepared the way in which he um, came into uh, the presence of God. He would kneel. 
and uh, he showed us this uh, kneeling, uh, I don't know what you call it, thing that you put behind your legs and then you sit on it and kneel. And uh, a kneeling stool, is that? Yeah, anyway. So um, I thought, whoa, I, I don't think I've really ever seen one of those. All I've seen is the big cushions, you know, with a bit of embroidery on the top that you can kneel in in Anglican churches. I hadn't seen one of these things. So he said, have a go. He said, there are a couple in the chapel, have a go. So um, I had a go and I just knelt in the presence of God for over an hour in silence. Do you know, it was amazing. In fact, I was so blessed that I asked my brother, John, to make me one. And um, I am now the proud owner of this amazing wooden uh, kneeling stool thing. Because I can't really kneel anymore because I'm, I'm quite a mature woman. And um, my legs go a bit dead after about 30 seconds. So now I can perch my body on this bit of wood and uh, can, can kneel there in the presence of God. And there is something about doing that but if you're not used to doing it or if not having a go at ever doing it have a go at just kneeling in the presence of God and wait and see what happens so anyway I'm kneeling on my this thing and uh, I'm just there in the presence of God and it, I suddenly saw myself and uh, I saw myself coming into God's presence on a skateboard I've never been on a skateboard. I'm not really built for skateboards. Um, but I saw myself coming into God's presence on this skateboard with, with jeans that are torn where your knees hang out. And then I flipped the, the, the skateboard. You know when they, these young people, they kick it at the bottom and then grab it? And I saw myself doing that and then going up to God and going, all right, buddy, what are we going to do today? And... Uh, I felt so ashamed that I thought that's often how I come into the presence of God. Not physically, but metaphorically speaking, I, I do that. I just come skating in. I have no concern about how I look. My hair might be all screwed up. I've got my knees hanging out. I've got mud on me or whatever. And it's like, all right, buddy, God, let's go. Now, I think there are times and places... And I love, you, you know me well enough, I love all this intimacy with the Father. I love the fact that I am a daughter of the King. I love the fact that there are times when I can climb up onto my Father, my Heavenly Father's lap, and I can have a cuddle. I love that. I love it. I love it when he kisses me. I love it when he strokes my hair. Oh, I absolutely love that father. But there are times when he's the king. And uh, I guess an earthly example, it's difficult to kind of like summarise God in an earthly example, but the Queen of England. I'm sure that the Queen of England... There are times when she's on the floor, well, maybe not maybe now, but a few years ago, on the floor playing with her grandchildren, tickling them, allow, maybe they were tickling her, just enjoying that, that closeness. But when the queen is the queen, and she's in her royal robes, and she has a crown on her head and a scepter in her hand, 
that is not the time to go running up and cuddling and tickling. We bow and we honour her and we say, Your Majesty. And I think that's how it is with God. And I think that with our pendulum coming over here, particularly for those who have maybe um, their faith is not, you know, is quite, they're quite young in the Lord, that we have taught them how to enjoy the Father's love, the Father's embrace, and that is absolutely right. It's great that the Queen loves her children and they tickle her and she tickles them back. That's absolutely fantastic. It's great that we have that relationship with Father God. But there are times when it's also good to remember that God is God. And when he says something, that's what it means. So when he said to the Israelites, do not take a part take for yourselves that which is set apart there are consequences and he tells them what the consequences are you will be destroyed no but Sally we're in the new covenant now that doesn't apply to us anymore no I don't think I'm about to be vaporized Ben but God hasn't changed has he isn't he still the same yesterday, today, and forever? Isn't he the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega? What he says there, is that no longer now relevant? I think it's still very relevant. And I think, as a people, I think we are pretty ill-disciplined at times. I think we're incredibly disobedient as well. Because we live in a world that has influenced us and it's all about me now. Oh, I don't feel like getting up at that time in the morning. I don't feel I want to do that. I won't do this. I can't be bothered to do that. And that has, I think, crept into the church. And I think sometimes I look around and we are a bit of a ramshackled army. We're not very disciplined at times. If Ben and the elders said to us, I want you to jump, would we? I don't think so. I think we'd be going, well, why do they want us to jump? Well, how far do they want us to jump? Well, little jumps, big jumps, what is the purpose of this? Let me just wait and see if I feel that this is what God is saying to us. And there are times, I think, when we just have to obey. Um, my dad told a story that when he was doing his national service, um, they were taught to do kind of menial tasks and one of the tasks he talked about was they had to go out and paint the stones on the driveway coming into the barracks. What a menial task. He said, but God forbid any one of us would go, why? He said, if the sergeant said, hey, go and paint the stones, we went and painted the stones. If the sergeant says, jump, you jump. You don't go, hmm, Oh, I don't know, I don't feel like jumping today. Oh, my back's a bit bad today, or my knees. You jumped. And what they were teaching was that when you're in a battle yeah. and someone says, jump, you jump. Because it could be that you've just lost, otherwise you would have lost your life. And I've, I've known people, even today, 
when God has said something to them and they've acted on it and if they hadn't, they would have died. It still happens today. And I just want to kind of like, I just want to stir us up really. I want to provoke us today. Because I don't think we're very good at doing that. So when God says no, we go, okay. Okay? And we get on. None of this, well, I don't really think that's a very good idea, God. No, I'm not very happy with that answer. Could we have another one, please? Right. If you're going to say no to me, then I'm not going to come to church. That will get you. That will teach you to be cruel to me. I'll just give up meeting with the brethren. I'm going to isolate myself. That will teach you, God. And, we, and, you, and you know, as we're listening to me going, no, really? Yeah, well, I think we all have a tendency to do that. When we don't get our own way, it's like, right, I'm going to show God what I think. And that usually means that we do something that's, that he, we know is not really the right thing to do. Because somehow we feel that that might hurt God. Why is it when we get hurt, we deliberately hurt the people who are the very closest to us? The ones that love us the most are the ones that get the brunt of it. We do, don't we? I'm hurting, you're going to hurt. It's a ridiculous thing. And sometimes I feel we try and do that with God. I'm hurting God, so I'm going to make sure you hurt. And in fact, all it ends up is that we get twice as much hurt in our lives. Gosh, it's a bit serious, isn't it? But this is the best bit, okay? We don't live in this old covenant. We do have a saviour who is interceding for us day and night. But I don't want us to, in all of this intimacy, in all of this, wow, Abba Father, can I have a hug? That we then say, oh, it's only a little sin. It's only a little thing that you asked me to do. Oh, he won't mind. I believe that God does mind. I believe it breaks his heart the way that we carry on at times. And I know that the world carries on like this, but I don't think that's how we should be. Can I just pray? Father God, we've come here this morning because we love to be in your presence because we love to be with one another. And we want to be obedient to you. We want to grow in the things of God. We want to be victorious in our lives. We want to be those world changers. We want to shift atmospheres. We want to bring healing to the sick. We want to bind up the brokenhearted. We want to bring sight to those that are blind. We want to bring healing to those who are deaf. And yet, Father, sometimes there are things in our life that you have asked us to lay aside and we carry on holding them. And last week, Layla brought a word to us about a lump she had in her arm 
that God said it has to come out? Katie, Katie sorry. Sorry, Layla, you're looking at me. It's like, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> but you might have done, mightn't you, lovely? Yeah. Uh, it was Katie who brought it to us. But she talked about a lump in her arm and how God said it had to come out. And uh, she said, if there are things in your life that need to come out, you need to have allow God to take them out of your life. And I guess... So, Father, yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying today, that if there are things in our lives that shouldn't be there, then, Holy Spirit, we're going to give you permission, even now, right now, to, to bring them to mind. Things that we say that aren't honouring to you. Things that maybe we do that we shouldn't be doing. Things that we should be doing that we don't do. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you know all things, even the things that we forget, things that we do that we're not even conscious that we're doing them. We thank you that you want to reveal this, these things to us in order for us to be those clean vessels. We, won't, we don't want to be in disobedience against our Father. So Jesus, we just come to you who paid for all of this stuff with your lifeblood. It was incredibly costly. And we repent and say, Father God, I am sorry that I do this, I do that, or I won't give up this which you have asked me to do. I am so sorry. Will you forgive me, please? And this is the best bit. He does. He does. He does forgive us. So now it's like we're free of that guilt, of that disobedience. We've been set free from it. So I want to see that on your faces. Because sometimes, you see, we ask God to forgive us, but because we've remembered all this horrible stuff, we then dwell on it, and we still live in it. But when we confess it, the Bible says that he is faithful to forgive us. So we've been forgiven. How amazing is that? I'm so excited. I'm so excited that I can stand here before you, forgiven. All my dirty washing has been cleaned, purse or white, and removed. And I've got clean clothes on. I've got beautiful robes of righteousness. I've got garments of praise. How exciting. There's one other thing I'd like us to do. Really, Sally? Yes. Why don't we ask God for a fresh revelation of how we should approach him at times? As I say, I think God loves it sometimes when I come in on my skateboard with my dirty knees. And, all right, God, I think that's okay sometimes. I think he loves that because that shows that I uh, am relaxed in his presence. 
I wouldn't do that to somebody I didn't know. Let's put it like that. I could do that with some of these, with some people here. I could turn up in my dirty old clothes and I know I'd be accepted. There are other people that I don't know that I wouldn't do that to you because I don't know whether you'd be really upset if I sat down on your nice white furniture in my dirty jeans. But I do know my Father in heaven and I know that I'm always accepted. But there are those times when I think, yeah, we should prepare ourselves to come into God's presence. So Holy Spirit, thank you that you always wanting to give us fresh revelation. So we give you permission to give each one of us a fresh revelation of who our Father in heaven is. That we would see you, Father God, in your royal robes. That we would see you seated on the throne room of heaven. That we would see you maybe create a brand new solar system just for the fun of it and realize that we are just dust. The psalmist said, what is man that you are mindful of him? Today, Father, we bow our knees before the King of all kings, before Creator of all things, the Maker of heaven and earth. We thank you for your Son, Jesus, who came and took our place, paid for our sin in order that we can come into your throne room with clean hands and pure heart. Father, may we never forget that. That it's not from my own merit. It's because of the shed blood of Jesus that washes me clean. Thank you, Father, there are times when it's appropriate that I can run in and I can jump on your lap. I can receive a hug. But there are also those times when I fall on my face before you. I don't even feel I can look you in the face because I feel so dirty and grubby in the light of your presence. Jesus, thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. 
I don't know why I bother with notes. I send my notes to Ben and he says, yes, that's okay. And then I don't actually stick to them. Thank you. It's a bit serious, I know. I'm normally, you know, and I'm not normally that serious, but I just feel this, I just feel this so strongly in my heart. that This is something for, for the church, not just for Solihull Christian Fellowship, but for the church, that, that we just remember who God is. That he's all-powerful. He's awesome. Amen. Amen. Sorry, I must finish now.